0: I love the story we're going to do today, and can't wait to get to it, but I have to because a couple of very quick things. Next Sunday, we begin the collection here locally, uh, and if any of you are watching in Middle Tennessee and want to join us next Sunday, we're collecting new or as new. Nothing old, nothing ratty, nothing out of style, nothing missing a button. We want to, This is like giving a gift to a treasured person because these people are treasured. Uh, the poor are with us always, Jesus said. And he gave us command to watch over them. So winter gear, basically. Gloves, scarves, hats, coats. That's what we're collecting here. We're going to collect this coming Sunday and next Sunday. Roman uh, is the one, one of our, our... Are you a teenager yet, Roman? Or are you 12? Where are you? He's, he, he, there you are. How old are you now? 12. He's still 12. And he, he's the one that said, right, get on the work. So... we're collecting that this coming sunday and on the 12th and we are we've narrowed down we believe we know where it's going to go but i don't want to say yes uh, and let you know until it's perfect also hygiene kits which just means a wee bag toothpaste toothbrush deodorant the necessities that often people have trouble getting especially if they're homeless or if they're underpaid or if they're going through a struggle with uh, unemployment or underemployment at this stage. So we collect those. Now, if you're outside Middle Tennessee, please don't send these to us. Give them to somebody there. Or if that's not what they need, or if that's not your gift, make cookies for the, the sheriffs or for the state troopers or for somebody, the firefighters. Do what you can with what you've got where you are. And the good news is people are doing this. We're hearing from i think i've heard from six states so far where people have said this is what we're doing and they're sending us just amazing uh bits and pieces of what and so we'll share some of that over the next couple weeks next week's the birthday and we've got some wonderful things going on then as well so one more thing we are always very upfront with everybody who is in our safe harbor. We don't do the closed meetings where, you know, men shuffle off in and, and decide things and come out and then you don't know what's happening. We don't do that. So, we have been from day one saying we're not putting money into real estate. And, and that's, what, that's our goal. We, however, right now, I'm about to lose my office, which was very graciously given to me day one by one of our dear friends and who's a huge supporter of this work. He has a business. <clears throat> the business is growing. The office where I am now, he's going to need in the next month or two. So we're looking for space to rent as an office. And so I'll let you know um, when and where that's going to be. Some of you may think, well, why don't you work from home? It's really difficult, especially if people want to come and talk to, to their pastor. You know, it's, it's a struggle. So we, and it's got to be the right kind of office where it's private enough, but public enough to where people can come and go without there being any issues. So we're, we're looking and we're going to keep, and yes, we know of office rental companies and we're looking at those as well. So we wanted to let you know, because we never want to do anything uh, that would surprise or disappoint you. Is that fair enough? I think we're good. All right, there we are. And if, I'm a, if I'm, my office is out on the street, please bring me a coat and a hygiene kit. <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> if you're looking for an interesting book for Christmas, I'd recommend several. But in today's in particular, it illustrates the need to read every so often a Harmony of the Gospels. And you can just type in Harmony of the Gospels in Amazon or wherever you buy your books. And you will find a variety of them coming up. What it is, is people are trying to make all four Gospels fit. And make them chronological, but also bring in the details that are in this Gospel, but not in that Gospel. And the story of today illustrates how very different the stories are. By the way, this is not a new thing to try to harmonize the Gospels. Um, Tatian did it in the second century. There's a book called the Diatessaron. And he was the first one to to try to bring them. But you do lose some things when you do a harmony. You lose the points that the minister or the writer of the gospels, the evangelist, was trying to make. Because you're going, oh yeah, you forgot that detail. When he was trying, he's leaving out that detail because he had a different audience. Or this one's brought in a detail because they have a different audience. And each of the gospels has a different audience. And it's always important to remember that there are differences between the gospels and some of the differences are very easy to understand and some of them will make you scratch your heads and go, I don't know. But each gospel is a look at the life of Christ through an individual's eyes who then inspired by God wrote about what they saw and they felt, but God did not remove the human from the equation. And so for example, John Asked God, um, uh, you know, he had his mommy ask Jesus if they could be, if he could be their favorite in the heaven, and Jesus said no. But in the book of John, it was just one of the apostles. He doesn't out himself. The same is in the book of Mark, which is really the writings of Peter. Mark was his interpreter and his biographer. Uh, we all know that Peter jumped out and, and struck the ear off of Malchus. He wasn't aiming for the ear, by the way. That always threw me. When I was a boy. Why did he go for the ear? Well, he didn't. It was dark. Well, in the book of Mark, it was one of the apostles. It's kind of like, well, it was dark. Nobody can really identify the individual. It's you, Peter. We know it's you. So the human is involved. Most of us have heard the story of Jesus walking on the water and how Peter saw him, asked to come out, took a few steps, got frightened by the winds and the waves, and he sunk. And then Jesus grabbed him and saves him. And most of the sermons I've heard in my life about this story are about Peter's lack of faith and how Peter failed to maintain his faith. This bothers me, to be honest. Peter is still the world record holder for walking on water. None of us have done this. You might say, well, he didn't do it long. Yeah, you know, Olympic athletes don't do it long. I think we should admire what he's doing and what he has done here. Uh, Some of them will say it's about Jesus's power over nature and that's kind of okay, that's right. It's interesting, Matthew, Mark, and John tell this story. Luke leaves it out. It could be because Luke didn't have access to it. Remember Luke was a historian. He was a biographer and therefore he had to use, for example, we know from Luke what Mary was thinking when Jesus was born, and the announcement of his of his of her coming pregnancy. She knew certain things, and she said certain things that only Luke says because he must have interviewed her. Well, he didn't get this story in his interviews, and that's very, very different. Um, there are also very few stories, by the way, which are shared in the Synoptic Gospels and in John. So we might want to sit up and take notice that Matthew and Mark and John cover this one. John tends to cover the ones that nobody else covered. So, first context. This is a horrible time in their their life and in Jesus' career. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, the forerunner of Christ, the one who had called the people to repentance and who lived his life <clears throat> with a religious precision precision and dedication that was second to none, ate only the insects he could find and such, the, he, and wild honey. He refused to take time to care for himself because he was there for God. And then Herod is not happy. Because John the Baptist is teaching the Old Testament law that he knew. And he taught it truthfully. And that included saying that Herod's wife was illegal. He had already offed a couple of others. But then he had married a cousin. uh, A brother's wife. And he's not allowed to have them. And he he was saying. no. And also he called him a so-called Jew. Because Herod wasn't pure Jew. And didn't go through the ceremonies except for public events. So Herod had him imprisoned and Herod had him killed. Now the scripture does say that, that that deeply distressed Herod, which I really don't understand because Herod killed people almost without thought, without breathing. He didn't no life mattered but his. He killed several members of his family because one day they might be a problem. That was Herod. In history, it's called Herod the Great. I would question that adjective. I think Herod the Awful or Herod the Horrible might be better. But think about this. People saw John the Baptist and Jesus as this. More like this. He meshed. They're bound by blood. They're bound by message. Both of them are preaching. It is John the Baptist who first publicly recognizes Christ and he recognizes him as the Lamb of God. That'll be another story we're going to cover. And now John's dead. How How does that help God? Have you ever wondered when something will happen in your life? You wonder, well, how does this help God? Why would God allow this? We were doing so well. Well, That's the context. The disciples saw this as a huge loss for the people of God. Keep that in mind because it was a huge loss. But did the huge loss mean that God was losing or that his effort had just tripped and was going to now run out of steam or at least slow down a bit? The momentum of the spirit wouldn't be moving as fast because its greatest proponent was now dead at the hands of a very evil man that God could have killed with a thought he wouldn't even have to raise a finger so they came to Jesus and they asked him about this but they asked him about it because John the Baptist before he died said go ask him why am I here he put it even more bluntly he said go ask Jesus are you the one that we're to look for? Or should we look for somebody else? In other words, Jesus, why aren't you in action saving me? Very blunt. John tended to be blunt. And that was a good, good thing. Jesus did not get upset that John was almost insulting, chiding, pushing. John turned to the people and said, of all the people born on earth, there's never been a greater man than John the Baptist. Never. But then he said, if you think he is great, everybody in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than him. And spoiler alert the kingdom of heaven's a church. You. Jesus, we often talk about our faith in Jesus. His faith in us is astounding. He says, all of them will be greater than John. Why greater than? I don't think greater than dedication. Certainly not. Greater than um, obedience. No, I don't think so. I think it's greater because we have more information and more help. The Holy Spirit has arrived in a powerful way. And while I don't exercise what people would call gifts of the Spirit, they are usually speaking of healings and tongues and the like, I do exercise the gift of the Spirit in that He guides and He gives me words he gives me uh, dreams, he, not like dreams, and uh, my dreams, <laughs> if my dreams became reality, we'd all be living in a very clockwork orange universe, um, and that would be a horrible thing. And, and by the way, all of you under 50, sorry, this is what Google is for. <clears throat> From our viewpoint, we look back and we know that the death of, uh, the murder of John the Baptist did not slow the momentum. But they had no way to know that may i suggest that regardless of your political leanings regardless of polls regardless of your position on vaccinations and viruses that god's work and his momentum has not slowed and will not slow maybe we need to exercise a bit and i'm very sorry but around christmas time is when they will launch and they will launch for about six weeks Every commercial will be about exercise stuff because they know we will eat over the holidays and that we will make resolutions that we have no intention of following. We will join gyms we will never enter. We will buy a Peloton or a mirror so a machine can yell at us in private (laughs) and we will pay them monthly for the privilege. But there's some exercise we could do. Maybe we need to exercise our faith muscle. To where when the world's going, it's all on fire. Go, I'm not. When the world says it's all a dumpster fire. We can say, I don't live in a dumpster. And my mind doesn't go there either. John the Baptist wasn't sure of Jesus. But God said it's all right. By the way, that's Luke 7.20. If you want to see how bluntly John the Baptist said, all right. Are you the one? Or should we just go elsewhere? Wow. Jesus was not offended. When he, Jesus heard that his cousin and co-minister was beheaded, he immediately in the scripture and all three versions of this withdrew to be by himself. It's okay to need alone time. It's okay to need quiet time. If God made you to be an extrovert, that's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and, and exercise that. You're, you're going to need alone time too, but not nearly as much as an introvert. I'm an introvert. I, I'm, in fact, this is a real struggle for me. I, I tend to talk when I'm working. Otherwise, I'm thinking, or, or the like, and I love people. And we have people over. I go see people. I love them. But then this whole concept of withdrawal to be by yourself a while to refuel. Yeah, I get that. Jesus withdrew. I understand. In Matthew 14, the scripture said, and Matthew 14 is we're going to take the bulk of this because Matthew puts in things other people don't. And so we're going to do a fuller story, but we're going to refer to the others because they have a couple things to say as well. In Matthew 14, people heard Jesus is out there praying. He's out there by himself. So people from nearby towns came and they gathered and they gathered and they were troubled. Their leader was gone. Jesus was not their leader at this stage. John the Baptist had been. John, Jesus and his people were, were baptizing. Scripture says Jesus didn't baptize any of them, but his people did. And I'm not sure why it says that, but there it is. I'm, I'm sure it's true. I just don't know why we needed to know that. But John, their leader's gone, and they're coming now to Jesus. What do we do? These are people of faith. They've read the prophecies. They know that God has prophesied a great king will come. A Messiah will come. What do we do now? They needed help. They needed reassurance. And they needed hope. Jesus, it is said, moved about the crowd healing those with diseases. Those who were sick. Listen to this phrase and learn it. His compassion was greater than his grief. As Brett put it so beautifully during the giving Jesus did not make himself the center of a meeting. Whenever he was around somebody else, the other person was the center. The Samaritan woman, Bartimaeus, the woman who'd fallen into uh, sex work, most likely forced into it. How did he treat them? He didn't make himself the center of the equation. And so, even though he was in grief, he saw these people had a need and he moved into them and around them and healed them. And by the way, we will also find as we read the Jesus story that his compassion is greater than any wrath or any desire for vengeance. God's love trumps that. When people yell, no justice, you know, they want justice, I'm saying, yes, we do, but not justice untempered by mercy. We need mercy. I brought my mother up to do uh, Thanksgiving with us at the age of 90. You don't know how many chances you get, so you you bring her up. My mother's always been on high. She only has one gear that's full full throttle. If you've ever driven down to Florence, Alabama, and back, you know that there are 13 speed limit changes between us. I do not know why. There are long stretches of beautiful country road, four lanes that are 45 miles per hour. I was in one. My mother's looking around. She said, why are you going 45? And I said, it's a 45 zone. She goes, you know, it's the law. They have to give you seven more. <laughs> <clears throat> but it's the law? Yeah, it's the law. You can go seven more. I get it, but I am glad that if we'd had gone seven over, most likely they wouldn't have pulled us over. We all want justice, but we want some mercy, right? Sure. By the way, no, I didn't go seven over. I figured, you know, we'll take her time. Uh, it doesn't work. You set her down, there she goes, runs into a wall. She fell. I mean, it's just constant with her, but that she's done that since she was a teenager. And I always say, you cannot cure Catherine of being Catherine. Let her be who she, who she is. And, and that's, as she put it, she said, God only gave us 70 years. I'm 90. I'm on borrowed time. I'm moving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a, I hope she writes when she gets wherever she's going. The people gathered and all, they, they just needed to hear something from Jesus. But they were, they were there for a while. And in Matthew 14, the, the, the apostles are going, you're going to need to send them away because there's no food here. And, and we need them fed. So Jesus says, well, then you feed them. People out here and people in our, our audience here today understand this. I know that there are government programs, but Jesus never said, let that take it. He said, if you seed them, you take care of them. It's an individual responsibility, but it's also a community responsibility. And he illustrates it here. In fact, even put it in Matthew 14, 16, they don't have to go away. You can feed them. (laughs) But 12 unemployed guys, it's an absurd thing to say. They had no food. In Matthew, they, they showed him the loaves and fishes they had. That's all the story. In Mark, they first complained that it would cost them half a year's wages to get enough food. I'm pretty sure that was Peter who said that. He said, I don't have that kind of money. Because that's just the way he did. In fact, and Mark, and Mark, by the way, he says, well, what do you have? And they said, well, five loaves and two fish. It's only in John that we meet the young boy that Andrew brings to Jesus. Andrew is always bringing people to Jesus. He's the great introducer. He brings people, and he brings this boy that had the food. And I imagine the boy was wrapped around the food at that stage, uh, very upset at this whole Jesus posse grabbing his lunch that, that, God, that his mommy had made. But regardless, we, we know how the story ends. So that's not our story. We have another story. But you need to know what happened right before the story, or you don't get the story. They were already at sea. Have you heard the expression someone is at sea? It means that they have no anchor. They have no viewpoint. They cannot orient themselves where they are and the waves, wherever the waves and the current, that's what's taking them. They are lost. They've lost their mooring. They've lost their touchstone. They've lost who they are in the crisis. They're in a storm already of sorts, their brain and their heart are firing off, and it's all down from there. Their lives have been blown up by the execution of John the Baptist, and now they've seen the power of Jesus feeding the people, but it didn't sink in. So Jesus sent the apostles away, telling them, go to the other side, the eastern side of the great Sea of Galilee. He dismissed the crowds as well, and he went up again alone on a mountain to pray. The apostles obeyed. They got in a boat, but a a great wind arose and a storm hit them about four miles from shore. Now, if you've never been in boats, you need to know wind is a factor and it is a huge factor and you can be in a little rowboat and a 15 mile an hour wind will keep you from getting to shore unless you're pretty muscled. You're going to have to crab your way to the shore. And I won't go through all of that. Again, I love the sea. Uh, I don't own a boat because um, I, I live in in Nashville. The sea is far. And there are people that own boats on lakes here. But I keep thinking, if I have to drive three hours to get to a place to have fun for two and then drive back. No. You know, I'll... anyway, I love boats. And we go on cruises. I remember one time we... <laughs> We were on a cruise running from... Was it Hurricane Rita or was it Katrina? It was Katrina. And so we adjusted our trajectory somewhat. But the wind, you could feel it. In little boats, you could feel it. And now they're about to be swamped. They cannot make progress. Their faith was about to be swamped as well. Do you see how this works? They were at sea. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in that that boat... First of all, to hear them talk about the food and then about their fear. Their faith would be swamped if they don't exercise their faith muscle, but they're going to need some help. In Matthew and in John, Jesus went out to them. But in Mark, Mark puts it, when Jesus saw that they were in peril, he went out to be with them. Now that's a huge comforting phrase. I wish the others had brought that in. Jesus saw that they were in peril, so he went out to be with them, that, get that in your head, to be with them, next line, as he was passing them. What do you do with that phrase? It's like, hey guys, race you? <laughs> <clears throat> what do you do with this phrase? Now, some people throw a lot of theology at this, and by the way, they might be right. And so I, this is, I'm putting this out there because I think we really need to show different viewpoints and be okay with the mystery. There, were, there was a time where God put Moses between two rocks, and so he could pass by without Moses seeing him directly, or Moses would die. And it was a big spectacular thing. Now, when Elijah was in a cave, God didn't show up in the big spectacular things, but in his still small voice. So I'm not really sure what we do with this. But as a boy, I thought it was hilarious. I wondered if he made boat noises. I wasn't aware they didn't use little boat motors. I, I wondered what he had said. But I, or was it to say, hey, guys, this isn't as bad as you think it is. But whatever it was, what we do know is that Peter made the right choice. Brothers and sisters, if you are at sea, if you cannot find your mooring, if your direction seems to be off, if you are tossed by waves you did not make, you did not create this situation, but you're caught in it, the only safe place is Jesus. Get to him. Peter was the only apostle who made the right choice. Jesus, if it's you tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. Are you willing to do the great absurd thing? Almost a year ago, we did an absurd thing. And many believed, I think most believed, that as soon as COVID was over, because we thought COVID would be over, they have a lot more letters in the Greek alphabet, so hang on. The... We thought people would ease away, giving would stop, and we'd have to kind of pack things up and say, we did our service. We did a good job for a while, but it continues to grow. More and more people are checking in. More and more things are happening, and a lot of house churches are now clustering, and some of them use the music. Some of them use the sermon. Some of them use the whole service, but they're using these things. I don't know how many groups have written me saying they use the Monday morning messages as their conversation starters. The thing which seemed absurd to step out of a boat and walk. But he did. And yes, he only failed when he saw the winds and the waves. But I would say to you, the other ones didn't even get out of the boat. So let's not pick on Peter. He did the right thing. When storms overwhelm us, the only safe place is Jesus. And by the way, Jesus didn't criticize Peter. He just said, you know, you have too small a faith? Why would you doubt? It's an excellent question. The reason we doubt is because we've not been here before. In a few weeks, I'm going to turn 65. I've not been 65 before. It'll be the first time. I imagine I'll get it wrong. I imagine right now I know I, I I could do 45 again and do it better. But we are always at sea. The kicker isn't that the winds and the waves stopped as soon as Jesus entered the boat. The kicker here is Mark 6.52. When Jesus gets in a boat and the storm stops, the book of Mark says they doubted because they hadn't understood about the bread see the context matters it wasn't the bread wasn't a parlor trick it wasn't a a miracle to show what god can do no it was a demonstration that jesus is with us when we are hungry and he cares that jesus is with us when our marriage is falling apart and he cares jesus is with us when a child rebels and he cares He cares whenever we are at sea or in a storm. And he's God over the elements, yes. But he's also the God who doesn't run away from storms. And doesn't judge you when you're caught in one. Even if it's one of your own making. As a woman caught in adultery found out when Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go and leave your life of sin. Before she obeyed, he had already told her, I don't condemn you. We have a God who's not afraid of the storms. Jesus said that a sparrow does not fall to earth without the Father. Jesus lets no one die alone, but he also lets no one live alone. As Paul put it, whether we live or die, we live or die unto the Lord. You may not see him, but he is there. The sermon you might have thought today was misnamed, because the sermon is named, How to Walk on Water. I'll end by doing this. In counseling, when I used to run a practice, very often people would tell me, this is what's going on in my life and I just can't take it. And I would look at them and I would say, whether you need to change things or not, the first thing you need to understand is that you can take it because you are. Maybe we should see how strong you are and how you're able to take it before you make a decision to not take it. All of us are at storms, or all of us are in storms and at sea. All of us, uh, my wife and I were discussing this this weekend, saying, you know, our bodies are failing, but it's different bets. If they could put us both together, we'd have a decent human being. (laughs) And this morning, I, I began talking to Robert here on the front and he, he gave me some advice. He said, marry someone near your own age so that their body fails when yours does, but it will be a different part. And I'm going, we've had this discussion just, just, just right now. Uh, and, I, and I love that the fact is that we both got there. I, um, sometimes I wonder, can we do this? But we are doing it. Can I financially survive? You are. Can I emotionally survive? You are. What makes you think that you're not going to be able to tomorrow? God is already there. He's already beside you. And he's the only safe place we have. And so we're going to sing a couple of songs about the waters. One of the songs I'd never heard before until I moved to Tennessee. It may have been written about that time. I don't really know. I'm going to sit here and then I'm going to switch the mic, Dave.